Today's broadcast originally aired on October 2nd, 2023. Do you understand that you are not allowed to possess nor use a firearm while on probation? Yes, ma'am. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you are giving up the right to a trial by jury? Yes, ma'am. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you are giving up the right to remain silent and not incriminate yourself? Yes, ma'am. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you are giving up the right to the presumption of innocence? Yes, ma'am. Has anyone forced, threatened, or promised you anything to get you to enter into this guilty plea? No, ma'am. Is it your decision to waive these rights and enter a guilty plea because you are in fact guilty? Yes, ma'am. How do you plead to the five counts of conspiracy to commit intentional interference with performance of election duties? Guilty. And you understand uh, that you're pleading guilty today because you believe there exists a factual basis that supports the plea, and you're pleading guilty because you are in fact guilty. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Is that clear? He's guilty. Book him, Dano. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet. It's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. There has been an astounding amount of news uh, coming in uh, today, uh, coming in over the weekend since we last spoke on the broadcast. I will try to hit a few more details on some of those stories, maybe After finishing up with my guest, uh, joining us momentarily to discuss what you heard at the top of the show. In fact, it is my guest is the woman who uh, made that guilty plea on Friday in Georgia. Fulton County uh, made that guilty plea possible. As a matter of fact, made the indictment possible in the first place. Uh, So we will uh, talk about that momentarily and we can talk about anything else you want if we have time left or if you have questions for my guests or uh, thoughts on everything that's going on. If you happen to be live in our Southern, listening live in our Southern California listening area today or via our web stream at kpfk.org from anywhere in the world, our phone number is and will be 818 985 
818-985-5735. Jot it down. 818-985-KPFK. So uh, very quickly, uh, a few headlines for now, just in case we can't get back to these before the end of the hour. Far-right Congressman Matt Gates of Florida on Sunday said he will try to remove House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from his leadership post this week after the GOP House leader had to rely on Democrats to pass legislation to avoid a government shutdown over the weekend. The 45-day stopgap continuing resolution will keep the government open at current spending levels at least until Thanksgiving, when we may do all of this all over again. Uh, And it will be, at least for these 45 days, without the huge cuts the extremist right-wingers in the U.S. House had been demanding, though passage shamefully also resulted in removal of a provision to add new military and humanitarian support for Ukraine in its existential battle for democracy and against imperialist Russian invaders. Meanwhile, back home, California Governor Gavin Newsom is appointing political consultant, labor leader, and EMILY's List President LaFonza Butler to finish out the U.S. Senate term of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein, who passed away late last week, making good on his promise to fill the vacancy with a black woman and to avoid placing his thumb on the scale by appointing any of the three major Democrats who had previously already announced that they would be running for the seat. That would include California uh, Congress members Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and yes, black woman Barbara Lee. The Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine was awarded on Monday to Catalin Caricchio and Drew Wiesman whose decades of work identified a chemical tweak to messenger RNA, eventually making the life-saving COVID vaccines possible in less than a year's time, saving tens of millions of lives in the bargain and helping the world recover from the worst pandemic in a century. By the way, thanks to their decades of work getting us towards that uh, uh, COVID vaccine with their work on mRNA vaccines, A new version of that COVID vaccine, which helps inoculate against a number of new variants of COVID, is now available or will be in just a few weeks. And with hospitalization and infection numbers rising again, it is a great time right now to get your new booster shot if you haven't already. Desi Doyen, will you be getting yours this year? Oh, most definitely. I have elderly parents, so I want to make sure I take very good care of them. You'd prefer to not kill them. (laughs) Yeah, that's my preference. This is true. Very thoughtful of you. (laughs) As long as you're bringing gifts home for Christmas, let it not be the coronavirus. Yeah, that was the idea. And uh, underscoring what we spent quite a bit of time trying to explain (laughs) on several broadcasts last week about the huge importance to Donald Trump about the $250 million New York State civil fraud case against him in which a judge last week, before the trial even began, found that Trump and his company and his two eldest sons Uh, were guilty of major fraud for years to the tune of what State Attorney General Letitia James details as some $3.6 billion in lies and fraud and inflating their net worth in order to get uh, good rates on loans from banks. 
and underscoring the importance of that case to Donald Trump, even versus the criminal trials that he's now facing. Trump actually showed up to day one of that trial in Manhattan on Monday as his most prized real estate holdings are now in, uh, to put it kindly, <clears throat> are now in jeopardy following the state's, uh, state judge's ruling last week that placed the Trump organization's major real estate holdings into receivership. And yes, uh, I was kind of stunned that mainstream corporate media last week was sort of downplaying this as, uh, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Those criminal cases are what are really the concern. Well, Donald Trump apparently feels differently because that is why he showed up in uh, in Manhattan. This is a big deal. Trump knows it. That's why he flew down to New York today to attend the first day of the actual trial in that civil case after he had skipped hearings and trials in previous civil and criminal cases against him. In related news, the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday rejected a bid by disgraced Trump attorney John Eastman to uh, erase court rulings that described him as a linchpin in the former president's efforts to steal the 2020 election. The high court's decision upholds rulings by a federal district court judge out here in California, finding that Eastman's emails are not, in fact, protected by attorney-client privilege as they contained evidence of a likely crime related to Trump's efforts to steal the election. Somewhat surprisingly, wildly corrupt Justice Clarence Thomas actually recused himself from the decision. Is he okay? He did not offer a reason, though several of the emails in question contained in a particularly sensitive batch that was oops inadvertently made public during a legal fight between Eastman and congressional investigators looking at the January 6th uh, uh, insurrection, showed that top Trump advisors were describing Justice Thomas as their likeliest ally in an effort to get the Supreme Court to falsely legitimize Trump's efforts to steal the election. Eastman also formerly clerked for the hard-right activist Justice and has had contacts in recent years with his hard-right activist wife, Ginny Thomas. And finally, on Friday, as you have hopefully heard by now, an Atlanta-area bail bondsman by the name of Scott Hall was the first of Donald Trump's 18 co-defendants in Georgia to plead guilty in his 41-count criminal felony indictment in Fulton County related to his failed racketeering conspiracy to try and steal the 2020 presidential election in that critical battleground state. In the indictment, Hall was charged with two felony counts of conspiracy to commit election fraud, conspiracy to commit computer theft, conspiracy to commit computer trespass, conspiracy to commit computer invasion of privacy and conspiracy to defraud the state. All felonies, all part of the Georgia statewide voting system breach that was carried out by Trump supporters in Coffee County, Georgia, and all included among the 41 counts alleged in the indictment as part of Trump's failed multi-pronged conspiracy scheme to try and steal the 2020 election in the Peach State. On Friday, in a deal with District Attorney Willis's office, Scott Hall pleaded guilty to five misdemeanor charges for which he was sentenced to 12 months of probation for each charge, though those penalties 
uh, will be served concurrently. So he'll be done with probation in a year if he holds up his end of the bargain. He'll also have to pay a $5,000 fine, serve, I believe, 200 hours of community service. And most importantly, he has agreed to testify truthfully in all cases against his fellow co-defendants. And this is important. It's a deal which requires his full cooperation with prosecutors regarding what he knows about the unprecedented scheme by MAGA supporters beginning on January 7 of 2021. That would be the day after the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol to breach, copy and distribute sensitive voting system software from Coffee County, the same software that is used across the entire state of Georgia in every single election. They copied that software and distributed it as part of a plot that was hatched in the Trump Oval Office in December of 2020. And you probably heard about it here on the broadcast first. The scheme first came to light thanks to a phone call that Scott Hall made to frequent broadcast guest Marilyn Marks of the nonpartisan Coalition for Good Governance, essentially confessing to the entire scheme. You know, I'm the guy that chartered the jet to go down to Coffee County to have them inspect all of those computers. And they scanned all the equipment, imaged all the hard drives. They imaged the hard drives? Yes. How in the world did you get permission to do that? We basically had the entire elections committee there. Okay. And they said, we give you permission. Go for it. Go for it. Oops. Now, if that clip sounds familiar, it's most likely because you heard it here first in the broadcast as we were the first to air it well over a year ago. Back in May of 2022, we've aired it dozens of times since then in hopes of getting the attention of both prosecutors <laughs> in uh, in Georgia, which seems to have happened, and to get the attention of Georgia's Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, who, according to Marx, and more than a year or so of our own reporting has not uh, only failed to take any action in response to this breach of incredibly sensitive voting system software used across the entire state, but Secretary of State Raffensperger has seemingly attempted to cover up the breach and has refused to install critical security patches made by Dominion voting systems to those breached systems across the entire state in advance of the 2024 presidential election there. In other words, despite the breach, despite the known incredibly broad vulnerabilities of Georgia's touchscreen voting systems, and make no mistake, they were vulnerable even before these MAGA folks broke into them, copied them, and distributed them around the world on the Internet, despite one of five or so people now indicted for unlawfully breaching, copying, and distributing that software from those systems, having now pleaded guilty for doing so, Secretary of State Raffensperger has done not a thing to harden the state's polling place voting systems to prevent them from being manipulated next year with the benefit of what the breachers learned from their theft and dist distribution of that sensitive proprietary software. 
And by the way, it's not only Georgia which is affected by this. Those very same or very similar systems made by Dominion are used in more than a dozen other jurisdictions around the nation, including in several counties right here in California. But if you doubt that Secretary of State Raffensperger and his office are not taking this matter seriously as they should and that they have not been working hard to cover all of this up since it happened now more than two and a half years ago. Here's Raffensperger's top voting systems guy at the time. His name is Gabe Sterling. You may remember him as the guy who bravely stepped forward just after the 2020 election on December 1, 2020, to angrily call call out Trump supporters and call on Trump to stop endangering Georgia election officials with false claims of fraud. Mr. President, it looks like you likely lost the state of Georgia. We're investigating. There's always a possibility. I get it. You have the rights to go through the courts. What you don't have the ability to do, and you need to step up and say this, is stop inspiring people to commit potential acts of violence. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. And it's not right. Remember that guy? Yeah, that same guy, appropriately enough at the time, hailed as a hero along with Raffensperger right after the 2020 election because they refused to steal the election on Trump's behalf when he called the secretary of state and called everyone else in Georgia pretty much demanding it. Well, that guy, Gabe Sterling, then appears to have joined Raffensperger in the cover up of what subsequently happened On January 7, 2021, in Coffee County, the day after the insurrection in D.C., when Trump's MAGA operatives unlawfully opened, copied, stole, and distributed the state's voting system software in Coffee County. Here's Sterling last year on April 29 of 2022 at a democracy event at the Carter Center in Atlanta, saying that we, by the way, the uh, Jimmy Carter turned 99 on Sunday. Happy birthday, Mr. President. So here, here's Sterling at the Carter Center saying that we now know what we now know happened in Coffee County, saying back then that it didn't actually happen at all. It's it's just a bunch of false claims from the left, those lefties mirroring all of those false claims of election fraud coming in from the right. We had claims even recently. There was people saying we went to Coffee County and we we imaged everything. There's no evidence of any of that. It didn't happen. Really? No evidence of that it didn't happen? Somebody really ought to tell the guy who just pleaded guilty on Friday to his involvement in that scheme. Someone ought to tell him it didn't happen. Just a conspiracy by those lefties. Of course, as uh, Coalition for Good Governance's founder, Marilyn Marks, has reported on this program, that guy, Sterling, had been played the audio from Scott Hall that we played you a little bit earlier during Sterling's deposition in the coalition's long-running lawsuit before Sterling then went on to the Carter Center to make those comments that it didn't happen. Really? So, uh, better yet, someone, aside from, you know, Scott Hall, someone ought to tell Sterling's boss, the Secretary of State of Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, because he has not done a damn thing about the breach since it happened, but he's actively tried to prevent doing anything about it, 
As we also first broke on this program some months ago, Raffensperger's office, despite new security patches to the Dominion touchscreen voting system software in Georgia, patches that were certified for use earlier this year by the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission and strongly recommended for immediate installation by the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, They recommended it to be installed before the 2024 elections. Nonetheless, Raffensperger's office has told the federal judge in Marilyn Marx's case, which is called Sterling v. Raffensperger. uh, Sure, they said, we'll apply those patches to all 35,000 touchscreen voting systems across the state of Georgia, but we'll do it right after the 2024 presidential elections. Thanks a lot, Mr. Secretary. His office uh, informed the judge of their decision to not protect in any way against Georgia voting systems uh, breach in that long running lawsuit filed by the Coalition for Good Governance, founded and headed up by the same Marilyn Marks, who Scott Hall, the Coffee County breacher who has just pleaded guilty, who he had called and essentially confessed to the entire scam, helping to eventually expose it to the world. The coalition's lawsuit, which has been pushing for secure, hand-marked paper ballots in Georgia for years, first successfully received a ruling from that same federal judge, U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg, back in 2019, banning all of Georgia's then 20-year-old unverifiable insecure touchscreen voting systems made by Diebold, only to see them replaced by Raffensperger against the advice of cybersecurity and voting systems experts with the similarly vulnerable and unverifiable touchscreen systems made by Dominion that have now been breached. For all the MAGA folks to wreak havoc with in Georgia next year if they like, if only because Raffensperger refused to replace them or upgrade them to hand-marked paper ballots or otherwise do anything, frankly, in response to the breach. Joining us now is grade A troublemaker, muckraker, true crime exposer, and true election integrity champion, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance, who I am hoping uh, folks in the mainstream media, uh, you, you know, far above and beyond the broadcast are finally now paying very close attention to. Marilyn Marks, welcome back. Congrats. And mostly thanks for exposing what happened in Coffee County and for directly contributing to the very first guilty plea in Georgia related to Donald Trump's attempts to steal the 2020 election. So uh, welcome back, Marilyn. Well, thank you, Brad. And and thanks to you for being one of the ones to expose that you were talking about the mainstream media being above you. I don't think so. Well, You're the guy who uh, who made this pretty public and others followed along. Well, thanks for allowing me to talk about it. Well, uh, someone's got to, I guess. Uh, it's interesting, Marilyn, uh, I, I, you know, that the guy it strikes me on, on Friday as he was uh, pleading guilty. Uh, it's interesting that the guy who, you know, as an Atlanta bail bonds arguably knows the Atlanta court system the best mm-hmm. among those 19 co-defendants in this case. He was not only the first one to turn himself in for arraignment a few weeks ago, he was also the first to plead guilty. So I, I would just like to get your general response for the moment to his guilty plea on Friday, as I suspect it would not have happened for you know without your years of diligence in this case. And frankly, your quick thinking to turn on your recorder <laughs> to record that phone call, Marilyn. 
<laughs> uh, yes, um, it, it was. It was one of the the more intelligent things I've done, which are not many, but um, I'm glad I recorded that. Well, you know, his guilty plea, I think, is incredibly interesting, but it was so smart from mm. his standpoint mm-hmm. and from the prosecutor's standpoint, because they got a very important witness. And I think um, you're way ahead of the game on mainstream media here. Again, I heard over the weekend many of the commentators saying, well, you know, he's kind of a small player. Oh, no, no, he's not a small player. He knows the ladder up and down, which we can come back and talk about. He knows a lot. He was smart to get that deal. He did. It was a sweet deal. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, he was He's smart. not doing any jail time. <laughs> it's misdemeanors. He's pleading guilty to. Mm-hmm. And um, he was in early, obviously. And now, now Fonnie Willis has his truthful testimony, which he has promised about a whole range of characters and facts. And I think it is a very big deal. And I would not expect her to be um, giving deals that look, look like, look nearly this sweet to anyone else. I, I know. I, I think, Brett, yeah. excuse me, go ahead. Go, no, no, please go ahead. I, w- I think you're right in kind of, um, you said it more eloquent, eloquently than I, but I've been telling friends over the weekend, Hey, I think Scott Hall's knowledge of how the whole criminal system works, who the best attorneys are, how plea deals work, mm-hmm. and his need to make sure that he did not lose his licenses for, for his bail bonds business served him well to get in ahead and be strategic about his plea deal. And I want to um, get into some of those details about what he may or may not know. Uh, but just very quickly, I know we've discussed it once or twice with you, Marilyn, uh, including a few weeks ago on the show, uh, just after the Fulton County indictments were actually handed up to the uh, to the DA by the grand jury. But why did Scott Hall call you, of all people, to essentially <laughs> confess to these crimes in the first place? It's a crazy story, Brad. It's not like I knew this character. Uh-huh. You know, um, it, he called me rather out of the blue. Um, I had run into him for like 30 seconds at the Fulton County so-called audit in November of 2020. And he insisted on having my phone number and I gave him my card. And so here four months later on a Sunday night, all of a sudden I get this call from from this guy mm-hmm. and he called me threatening me, Brad, uh, which is not, most people don't know the backstory here. He basically let me know that he was a pretty tough guy and he knew pretty tough characters. And he said that he had hacked into our, or had someone hack into our litigation files and that he wasn't finding what he was looking for. And he very, you know, in a very demanding way, said he needed for me to give him the files that he was not finding in his hack. <laughs> well, that's what caused me to, well, first, I almost hung up the phone. I really almost slammed the phone down uh-huh. on him. And then I thought, wait a minute, this guy's just just confessed to a felony of mm-hmm. hacking into our litigation files. I'm going to go into sweet little old lady mode and talk to him. Um, and record this darn thing. So I hit the report record button and started trying to engage him in conversation to see what else I could learn. Mm-hmm. 
And about 50, five zero minutes into this long, boring conversation, he blurts out what you just played. I'm the guy who chartered the jet to fly to Coffee County and image every hard drive and copy every frickin' ballot. And I'm going, which, oh, which my is word. A, <laughs> it's it's it's, so, ama- it's, a, mean, it's, it's amazing, Mary. Yeah, and it's amazing because he's calling you to tell you, oh, we hacked your system, but we couldn't find it. I mean, it's like calling the bank and saying, hey, I just ripped you off, but I know you have another million dollars that you didn't give me. Where is it? I'll come back and get it. I mean, <laughs> and, I, and I know a lot of bad guys and they're going to come with me. And so you better hand it over. Now, did they, in fact, hack your legal documents in that still ongoing case against Brad Raffensperger seeking to move the state to verifiable handmarked paper ballots? Did they actually do that? I could find no evidence that they did, but we did not try to have any kind of forensic uh, audit done. And I wouldn't even have known how to go about doing that. It was on a share file site. We haven't had any evidence show up, you know, that that actually happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But he went on and on about it, um, that, you know, he was some young guy and he knew the father. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, um, you know, we're... We just had to say, you know, we don't know and we don't have the resources to go spend, you know, scores of thousands of dollars to try to figure this out. Well, I know how to do it, Marilyn. I know these guys named the Cyber Ninjas. They'll be happy to come and do a post, uh, an audit for you, whatever. Uh, So uh, among, and by the way, I didn't think of that. Yeah, they'll be happy to help. Uh, As a matter of fact, Doug Logan, (laughs) the guy who uh, headed up that so-called Cyber Ninjas, they're, they're now gone, by the way. He was one of the main breachers down there in Coffee County, Georgia. He was not charged, however, in that case. Despite despite uh, spending days there, based on the secure, uh, uh, security camera uh, uh, video that you uh, obtained in your case, any idea why uh, uh, Doug Logan was not charged in this case? Does that mean he is cooperating with the prosecutors? You know, I just don't know that, Brad. Mm-hmm. And it is very frustrating when we look at characters like Doug Logan, Jeffrey Lindbergh, Jim Penrose. Phil Waldron, um, Eric Cheney, a local, um, mm-hmm. a long list of people who are not being held accountable at all. And most of them are not even um, suggested to be unindicted co-conspirators. Mm. I'm guessing that Funny Willis, you know, just doesn't have the bandwidth, nor could we expect her to have the bandwidth. To go after everyone involved. Yeah. Um, and we would like to think, and I'd like to come back and talk about this part, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. as we continue this conversation. But um, I, well, I would like to think that the attorney general in Georgia might pursue those guys, but I have no reason to think that that's going to happen. Mm. But just going, jumping back to Doug Logan for yeah. a moment to talk about what his role was, which I think is a very key um, dastardly role, and that is once um, Scott Hall's buddies at Sullivan Strickler, mm-hmm. and who were hired, of course, by Sidney Powell, mm-hmm. uploaded the voting system software and all the data onto the Sullivan Strickler site. Mm-hmm. Doug Logan was basically the first to download it with their permission, mm-hmm. and he worked with it to put on it, put it on a virtual machine. He uploaded it 
so that all of their participants could work with the voting system software, Georgia's software, on a virtual machine to more or less have it operate as it would in an election office, mm-hmm. you know, making it much easier for them to create malware, to test malware, et cetera, and to play with the the guts of the voting system. So, you know, he had a huge part in weaponizing mm-hmm. the the very information that Sullivan Strickler was able to collect. And, and, and then his buddy, go ahead. Go well, ahead. no, no. Th- I mean, this is one of the reasons. And, and I think we, when uh, you were on a few weeks ago on the show, right after the indictment, we talked about it. One of the reasons I think you said the breach continues is that the mm-hmm. information is yes. out there, has been passed around. Raffensperger is refusing to do any, uh, take any uh, security measures by uh, theoretically patching the software with these, with the software that has been approved and is sitting right there. He's not doing that. He's saying everything is fine. We'll just deal with it. No problems between now and uh, until after the 2024 presidential election. Marilyn, I, I got to get to a break shortly, and I hope you'll stick around with me because I got a lot of questions, but I want to uh, sort of, of course. hit hit this part. And by the way, we may have some uh, additional fresh breaking news for you today uh, that I will get to in a oh moment. Oh, my. Um, the, uh, the, among the, um, I know you that you you had this long phone call with Scott Hall. We've only played, a, you know, a minute or two from that original call, which was, as you said, about an hour or so. Uh, based on that call and any other information you've been able to get since then via depositions, et cetera, in your, in your suit uh, with a lot of these characters, um, how much does he actually know, Scott Hall, who now must cooperate in, uh, as you heard at the top of the show, he must cooperate in uh, as part of his agreement for not going to jail here. How much does he know about the crimes that were committed by his fellow co-defendants like Sidney Powell and, yes, even Donald Trump? Does he have a lot of goods to give to the district attorney's office, to your knowledge? Well, of course, I don't have firsthand knowledge of that, but I think I can make some pretty educated guesses Mm -hmm. um, given his relationships and his relationships in what should be his knowledge up and down the ladder from the Oval Office down to Misty Hampton's uh, election staff or, you know, even her father who sat in on the breach. Now, Misty, you want to cover uh, that now uh, or me, you want to cover that after you break? Yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and do a break. Misty Hampton, uh, for those who don't know, is the election director uh, at Coffee County, the one who invited those folks in. Uh, she is one of the five that have been charged. We will talk about her and what appears to be finally the email that she sent to these clods inviting them in to uh, breach the, uh, the, the the voting system, the statewide voting system via Coffee County. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about all of that. And yes, the pillow guy, Mike Lindell. All of that is straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an encore presentation of the Bradcast. There may be a few folks in Georgia going to jail. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We are speaking with Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. She is the one who uh, received a phone call from that guy, Scott Hall, who pleaded guilty in Georgia on Friday, the first to plead guilty in that uh, uh, massive uh, RICO conspiracy case against Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants. In this case, Scott Hall and four or five others led this uh, amazing breach of voting system software down in Coffee County, Georgia, that is used across the entire state. Scott Hall has now pleaded guilty and will be cooperating with investigators against all of his co-defendants, which include, yes, Donald Trump and Sidney Powell and others. And uh, Marilyn, there, there has sort of been this longstanding question that we've been trying to dig into at bradblog.com regarding Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, <laughs> whose, whose private plane flew from Mar-a-Lago up to Washington, D.C., and then back down to Douglas, Georgia. That's the county seat in Coffee County. He did this just before the election director there at the time, Misty Hampton, uh, who has also been named as a co, uh, a co-conspirator here in the Georgia indictment, just, just before she allowed those MAGA folks to come in and unlawfully steal the state's uh, voting system software. Lindell was not named in Willis's indictment. But do we know at this point why he flew in for just a few hours, uh, according to your investigators on the case, um, into Coffee County just prior to the breach? And might this be something that Scott Hall will have to uh, spill the beans on to uh, uh, Fonnie Willis now that he's agreed to cooperate in these cases? Good question, Brad, but let's clarify the timeline a little bit. Okay. So the bre- the first breach happened, um, the one that Scott Hall seemed to have been directly involved with, mm-hmm. uh, January 7th. That's when he was present. January 7th, and 2021. Then, right. right. 2021. And um, we don't see Lindell show up until the night before Misty gets fired. Ah. And that was... Uh, that was February the 24th. Mm-hmm. And to to um, uh, think about this timeline for a minute, on certainly by the afternoon of the 24th of February, the day before she is to get fired, it's clear that the word has gotten out that she is going to be fired. And in fact, we see 
one thing that happens that afternoon, nope, that's the next afternoon. I'll get to that in a moment. But, but one thing that happens in the evening before she's to be fired is she gets a telephone call from Kurt Olson, who, as you may know, mm -hmm. is the attorney for Mike Lindell, right. the pillow guy. Right. Okay. So, so out of the blue, somebody she's never talked to before, he, the attorney for, uh, for Lindell, contacts her. We don't know what it said. We do know that within the next 24 hours, Misty is fired. She knew she was about to get fired that evening. And then at about 10 o'clock at night, Mike Lindell's private jet, you know, shows up in Douglas, having mm -hmm. been to Washington mm -hmm. and Mar-a-Lago yeah. right before. Yeah. We don't know why he was there. We don't think it is the nightlife in Douglas, Georgia, that <laughs> attracted him to uh, right. uh, attracted him there in the middle of the night and stayed a few hours and took off. Um, but um, there's certainly more to learn. I hope that Fonnie Willis will be asking questions about that. But you know, it may be that Lindell is beyond her scope. At which we don't know, but I bet you Scott Hall knows. Uh, I bet you Scott Hall knows something, and uh, hopefully he'll be singing on that. And I, uh, as mentioned uh, before the break, we've got some news sort of related to all of this and to Misty Hampton. But was uh, uh, Mike Lindell, to your knowledge, Marilyn Marks, was he funding this effort in 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 some way, in any way? Do we have any evidence of of that? I mean, because right now. Mike Lindell flies in for a few hours to this, you know, rural Republican county and, and flies away. And we have no idea what he was doing there, what he was after, why his email, why his attorney is sending emails to the election director in Coffee County. What, was he was he paying for the effort as far as you know? We have not seen any evidence, but we haven't had the chance to look for any evidence either. Mm. And people need to, of course, recall, as you've pointed out, you know, our lawsuit is a lawsuit about is the uh, electronic voting system secure in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have the rights to go do unlimited discovery as a prosecutor might, you know, we've checked the box on what's within the four corners of our lawsuit and that is, is the system secure? The answer is, heck no, it's not secure. Heck no. But we have not had the rights to go after finding out how Lindell was involved. But we've tried to make sure that that is public information out there so that any prosecutor can go try to find out how he was involved. Well, one of the things but, that... But my guess is Scott Hall will know. Excuse me. Go ahead. Scott Hall will know. Well, one of the difficulties that I know that you have had here is that Misty Hampton, the election director who invited all of these people to come on in and uh, have at it, have at the voting systems, apparently, all of her emails before she was fired, which kind of seems like part of the cover up to get rid of her, to make her go away before she was fired. She had been working there for years. Her and her uh, second in command, their emails have for years uh, of service down there in Coffee County have all disappeared. The county, the Board of Elections, the county commission, they all say, well, we don't know what happened to it. It just got uh, deleted. We can't find it. No record of it. So it has been very difficult to sort of piece all of this together as you have tried to do, Marilyn. And one of the key pieces that we didn't have until now, until right now, and this is something you sent me 
Uh, we haven't even talked about it. You sent sent it to me as we were going on air here, uh, actually while I was introducing the uh, the segment. Uh, <laughs> this is from, and I know you've been looking for this. This is on Letterhead Coffee County Board of Elections and Registration. It appears to be from Misty Hampton from her email yes. address, mm-hmm. uh, dated December 31 of 2020. So this is uh, about a week or so before the breach. She writes, uh, quote, we have received your open record request and I will be speaking with my board. I guess that means the election board. uh, And per Georgia law, I do not see any problem assisting you with anything y'all need accordance to Georgia law. Y'all are welcome in our office anytime. Coffee County Board of Elections and Registration and myself are willing to work with anyone with accordance to the Georgia law. So this seems to be the invitation to uh, Sidney Powell and her gang of misfits to come on down to Coffee County and have at it. Although, she says, anyone with accordance to Georgia law, is it in fact in accordance with Georgia law, Marilyn Marks, to open up the voting <laughs> systems, copy them, put them on the Internet and distribute them around the world? Uh, certainly not. Georgia has some pretty bad laws, but they don't <laughs> allow that. Um, in fact, it, it is strictly forbidden, no matter which way you look at it. And the Board of Elections, even if they had approved it, would not have had the authority to permit, you know, uh, access and copying um, of the of the system. But what I think is really interesting about that quote, written invitation, Brad, Mm -hmm. that was issued on January 1, 2021, um, is because this is a document that people have been looking for for months. Mm -hmm. It is a document that um, Bernie Keurig, um, you know, he was very much in the Trump campaign writing writing the checks, and he was very involved with Giuliani. Mm -hmm. You know, he has retained, he has withheld this from lawsuits that he's been involved in. Uh, he's withheld, withheld this document. This document ended up getting sent to Giuliani's team and including Catherine Freese, um, et cetera. So th- this was a, a document that has been waived or hasn't been waved around. It has only recently become public, but Sidney Powell has been flaming in court through her attorneys oh, there's a written invitation that is going to exonerate us. This written invitation is going to prove that we had authorization. I don't think they had a copy of it. When they finally got a copy, they see there's nothing to it, as you've just read. It's Misty saying, yeah, we'll do what, you know, we're happy for you to stop by Mm -hmm. and we'll do whatever is okay with Georgia law. It looks to me like, Brad, that... She was getting pressure probably from Eric Cheney, who we know told her to write that letter. A member of the Board Eric of Elections. Eric Cheney being a local board member right. of the Coffee County Board. Right. Uh, we know he told her to write that letter. She wrote that letter. That letter looks to me, Brad, that she was being pressured to write that letter. She knew, she knew that there would be a legal question about whether or not she had any authority to let them in. And that's why she repeated twice in a paragraph, uh-huh. you can do whatever is in accordance with in Georgia accordance law. With Georgia what law. do you think? Well, I, I'm I'm wondering if it actually 
we, we don't know when it was written, do we? I mean, it says well, December well, we 31. Well, we have a pretty good idea because yeah. we have the text messages from Eric to Misty saying, mm-hmm. have you sent that letter yet? Mm. And that happened on um, New Year's Eve. Okay. And the text messages say, have you sent that letter? And she says, no, I'll, I'll do it later or in the morning. He sends her then Preston Halliburton's email address. Preston Halliburton was a or is a Georgia attorney, very involved in the MAGA group. He rep- He was Giuliani's and Kathy Latham's mm-hmm. attorney. So Preston Halliburton was Kathy Latham and Giuliani's attorney. Mm-hmm. He was based in Georgia. And Eric Cheney, the board member, told Misty, send Preston Halliburton that letter. And then the next thing we know, Preston Halliburton apparently sends it on to Giuliani's team of Catherine Fries and Bernie Keurig. I mean, in any event, what it appears to me just at first glance, just seeing it here for the first time, it appears like it is uh, meant to say a cover your ass uh, type of. of, I mean, because three three times they say per Georgia law, accordance to Georgia law, accordance to the Georgia law. You know, as if they knew this was a done deal. They knew the folks, they had already sent the invitation, but let's put out this paperwork to make it look like, oh, we're just doing a public records request. Come on down. Or, yeah, you know, we're right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Mar- and, and Brad, you may yeah. recall. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was, I was going to reference this text message in a context that your listeners might remember it. Mm-hmm. You remember that we've gone through um, some of the incredibly interesting stuff in Kevin Scoglin's declaration, and he shows these text messages that Sullivan Strickler is exchanging on January the 1st, mm-hmm. and they have a message from Catherine Fries on the Giuliani team, a, a mm-hmm. lawyer on the Giuliani team saying, hey, I've got exciting news. I've just landed I'm with the mayor. And we are getting a written invitation to Coffee County. And then mm-hmm. Sullivan Strickler people, who are the forensic experts mm-hmm. who went down to coffee, start ginning up all the plans to, oh, well, when are we going to coffee? Okay, great. And um, so it all ties together very well that, that she was told to write this written invitation. It was celebrated by Giuliani's team and then the Sullivan Strickler team get in gear, ready to go six days later to Coffee County. And then we see Scott Hall enter the picture where the night before we're seeing text messages saying that Kathy Latham is on the phone with Scott Hall making arrangements for these people to come in. And and Kathy Latham, uh, by the way, she was also charged among those uh, 18 co-defendants along with Donald Trump. Kathy Latham actually uh, is doing double duty crime in this in this uh, indictment yeah. in that she it was a fake elector and as a uh, as a uh, chair of the Coffee County uh, GOP she had invited uh, these people and I believe she lied in your uh, deposition saying she was only at the Coffee County uh, elections headquarters for 5 minutes just to welcome these people to come steal the software but she wasn't hanging around <laughs> turns out that the security camera footage shows she was there for hours Kathy Latham so uh, but, she was there for hours and the, the one of my favorites is 
how she said she only just spoke to Scott Hall momentarily yeah. on the outside. You uh -huh. know, she didn't really interact with him. Uh -huh. And we've got video of him giving her a back rub. Oh, my Lord. I don't even want to think <laughs> about that. I could have done without that, uh, Marilyn. <laughs> Sorry. But, but uh, yeah, sounds like a nice greeting. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Marilyn, I've got just a few minutes here. I want to hit a couple of points very, very quickly if we can. Why is this Coffee County breach uh, important to your curling case, uh, seeking to move, force a move to handmark paper ballots in, in Georgia? Why is it important to your curling case? And is there any evidence that counters the assertions that I made strongly that Raffensperger is essentially been trying for the past two and a half years, you heard Gabe Sterling at the top of the show, trying to cover up what happened. You know, I'm going to start there. There is nothing to suggest that he is remotely interested in learning what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, he has still not started an investigation of the implications of this breach, who was involved, how the how the uh, administrative rules fell apart, and and has not done any kind of work on the security implications of it. He turned over the criminal piece to the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, who's not doing very much. But it is absolutely shameful, and the importance to the case is that what Raffensperger has proven is that. The elections, when done on unverifiable machines, as you've talked about so many times, mm -hmm. are subject to insider manipulation, mm -hmm. insider access, and no way to then have a verification of who won in the event that insiders do manipulate um, the, the equipment or the software. And to be clear, and we're talking about reason. insiders. Yeah, go ahead. We're talking about mm -hmm. insiders like Misty Hampton. You know, for years we have covered, as you know, uh, Marilyn, at bradblog.com here on the Bradcast, we have covered these election officials like Brad Raffensperger who say, well, there's nothing to worry about because we'll have all of our election officials personally standing guard in front of these machines. <laughs> and A, mm -hmm. they can't do that. They can't stand in front of every machine. But B... The election officials themselves, like Misty Hampton, have unfettered access to these systems, which is why you need oversight, which is why you need handmarked paper ballots so the public actually can oversee their own elections. Marilyn, right. I, I, I got to get out here, but um, your trial in this case is still on schedule to begin in January. Is that correct? Yes. And we have a tentative date of starting January the 9th. Mm -hmm. And... Brad, we need all the financial support we can get to <laughs> to try to get ready for trial. You know, yep. we are we are a very small organization. It's going to be a very big, a big expense. And if people are so inclined, they can go to coalitionforgoodgovernance.org and the donate page, and we would surely we can surely use the the help because this is we are david fighting goliath here coalitionforgoodgovernance.org uh, is not being funded by a pillow magnate or a <laughs> former overstock.com uh, ceo and yet if it wasn't for coalition for good governance and marilyn marks that guilty plea that just took place on friday in uh, fulton county georgia by scott hall and i suspect we are going to see many more ahead None of those indictments would have happened 
in the first place had it not been for Marilyn Mark's good work and the good work of the Coalition for Good Governance.org. Obviously, there is much to uh, continue in this as, uh, frankly, uh, the breach continues, and as I will uh, allege, the cover-up continues by Brad Raffensperger. And no, we are not going to let that go either. Marilyn Marks is the uh, longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as the executive director and founder of the Coalition for Good Governance. As she notes, they can be found at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. And on uh, you can and should follow Marilyn on the site, still known as Twitter, at Marilyn R. Marks the number one, Marilyn R. Marks one. Uh, Marilyn, cannot thank you enough for all you do. Cannot thank you enough for all your willingness to come on this show. I'm sorry that places like MSNBC still refer to you as that long running legal lawsuit <laughs> instead of your name, coalitionforgoodgovernance.org, not funded my, by Mike Lindell. They could use uh, uh, some naming every now and again. Marilyn, thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for all, right. all you've done. You bet. All right. Uh, well, we got to get out. Desi, I didn't get to like anything that I had planned on getting to above and beyond Maryland because uh, there was so much to say there. Yes, I know. And there's a ton of, there's so much news going on all the time, but this is a huge deal. And uh, frankly, um, you know, if, if we didn't pay attention to what Marilyn Marks has to say, nobody would know about this stuff. So thank you for being broadcast listeners and thank you for knowing about all of this stuff long in advance. Years, we warned you years before the 2020 election about Georgia. We've been warning you ever since, talking to you about Coffee County for a year and a half. Finally, something is happening and people are paying a price. All right, we'll continue with that price paid on tomorrow's broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our board operator, Wendell Handy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Thanks again to Marilyn Marks. You can drop me an email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and yes, Twitter, you will find me at the Brad Blog. See you there. Until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.